Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. We're so glad you joined us today for another discussion on leadership, those small things we can learn in leadership that make a huge difference down the road. And I am just honored to be with my friend Dwayne Britton today. Dwayne, welcome, welcome to Thank our you. leadership discussion. Awesome. Glad to be here, man. Well, I know you've been in all kinds of leadership over the years. I've known you for many years. Uh, you've been in business leadership. I know you've been, I think you were even a, a DJ at one time. I was, I, yeah. I, I radio. So. A lot yeah. of people don't know that. <laughs> yeah, of course, you've been a pastor in many things. You're a missionary. And and, uh, and today you're a consultant, consulting yeah. companies and businesses and, and community organizations and churches. And let's go back to the beginning. When you were just a boy, did you expect that someday you'd be involved in leadership? I was actually a very cute boy. A cute did, boy? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. good to know. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a good looker. Good self-image. That's good. <laughs> actually, no, I didn't really think I was going to um, do anything like that. Um, I was actually somewhat shy. I was kind of more behind the scenes. Uh, I would kind of get people to do things for me. I'd kind of be the sure. guy behind the curtain, get uh-huh. people to do stuff. Uh, but I tried not to be out there in the front because I didn't want to um, be known. Uh-huh. And so, but I would get things done. And I, but I found myself uh, actually uh, being a leader didn't really know it. Right. Uh, I had some. I started like a science club in my in my in my uh, on my street. Oh. And uh, I was the head of the science club. On uh, your street? On my street. On my school. So I had kids coming over to the garage, and we'd do experiments and things like that. Wow. Um, I didn't know I had leadership skills that time. Sure. Basically, they followed me. Now, you're living in the city, right? Living in Cleveland. Cleveland, Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. Ohio. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then fast forward a bit. Um, you know, what happened in your life where you started to see more of this leadership develop? Uh, let's see. Probably didn't see much of it uh, until probably after college. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't see much of it like during school. I, I mean, I did sports and things like sure. that. But it was more team. Sure. Part of the band. It was more. That's more right. Like, right. Team sport. Right. Those type of things that way. Right. So I really didn't see a, a lot of leadership. Probably. Uh, wouldn't recognize uh, some of my giftings until later on in life. Okay. Now, obviously, you, somewhere in that whole process, you came to Christ. Tell us how that happened. Yeah, well, it's very interesting. I pretty much uh, accepted Christ uh, when I was seven. Okay. Uh, that was expected in the Baptist church. Okay. Got You're a good Baptist boy. Good, yeah. good Baptist boy. Okay. Because uh, uh, you had to go to church on Sunday. That uh-huh. was no excuse. Um, morning to night. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah, morning and night. Okay. And then uh, Wednesdays. Okay. It's important uh, to be at. But that was it. It was a rule. No no playing, no anything except okay. Sunday's God's day. And so that was kind of the, the world I came up in. Uh, I did come up in a single uh, parent home. Sure. Uh, my grandma and my mom pretty much raised me. I had okay. no, really no dads in our homes at that time. Uh, so um, church was kind of the center of our life. Yes. Um, but I really didn't realize, even though I had accepted Christ, that you could have a relationship with Christ. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until after uh, basically my college years and okay. actually being in the business world that actually I had an experience uh, with the Lord that actually showed me as a personal relationship with Christ. Because I pretty much kind of left the church 
uh, probably high school on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're in the business world. Mm -hmm. You're 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 working in the business. You're running a business. And I want to hear then how you actually came to Christ in the midst of that. Okay. Well, actually, I was um, had moved from Cleveland to California and started yeah. working for a distributor. I was in the faster industry business. Sure. Uh, and was just starting my career with him, uh, sales engineer, mm -hmm. uh, and pretty much began to run the the, the company on mm -hmm. the inside for him. Uh, it was um, it really it was an odd thing that took place. Uh, my mom had a stroke, uh, wow. and she was in the hospital. And um, what happened there was uh, I, d I decided I was going to go pray for her. It wasn't for me, so I went out in my warehouse, uh, and so I prayed for my mom. And it was the first time in my life that I, I knew that God did not hear my prayers. Wow. I saw my words kind of like uh, leave my mouth, hit the top of the wow. warehouse, and just fell to the ground. I mean, I actually saw those words. They didn't go anywhere. That's amazing. And the scriptures, they have Baptist, so I had scriptures in my head and my uh -huh. spirit and about the uh, skies being as bronze. Yes, And that's yes. what I knew. And I knew that if I died today, I'd go to hell. Wow. So, but I knew I needed to still pray for my mom, and so we had this new Christian girl that was uh, uh, in our office, secretary, sure. so I knew that God heard the prayers of young Christians. So I had, <laughs> I had her I've come. I've never heard this story. This is amazing. <laughs> I had her come out to the warehouse yeah. to pray for my mom, and I saw her prayers just ching, 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 just straight really? up. I did, and then I knew I was in trouble, and so I was new so much so that I was afraid to leave my office that day. So I was planning to spend the night at the office. I wasn't going to leave because I could have died that night. Sure. And so I just, <laughs> I didn't want to go on the highways in California. And so I stayed. And so I just told, I was going to plan to tell people I just was working all night. And that's why I'm still there in the morning. But it was there that God came into my office and, and met me there. Wow. And uh, showed me my life. Yeah. And uh, would stop at different points and would ask me, you thought you had a mate there then? And I said, yeah, I need to run the film, and, and I didn't. Yeah. And so it was at that, brought it to that point of being in my office that day, and then he said, Dwayne, you made such a mess of your life. Why don't you turn over to me? Wow. And at the same time, I heard my grandmother's voice in my head saying, which she always told me as a kid and coming up through, all up through high school before she died, whenever you're ready for God to use you, just tell him. And I heard her voice almost simultaneously at that point. And I said, God, if you can use this life, I'm going to give it to you. And I, I'm too much, I cry like a baby. I probably cried for two and a half hours. Wow. Just my office just cried about everything. I didn't cry about as a kid. Had to right. be strong. You know, right. I was the, right. I was the one he looked up to, even sure. in my family, uh, being responsible as a kid. Cause I started working when I was seven, uh, worked every week, $2 a week, $5 a week, $10 a week, yeah, brought money home sure. to the family. And so I, all that responsibility, I just cried and let, let loose. And then the wild thing that took place, when I left my office, I got in my car, and it was night, obviously. Sure, of course. <laughs> I was, yeah, right. <laughs> but everything looked bright. And then scriptures began to flood my mind again, wow. like, uh, behold, all things become new. And so then I'm driving, um, leaving uh, my office, and so I'm going down uh, Route 5 in California, heading home. Sure. And I was invited over this, my secretary, she had said she was gonna have a group of people over her house. Yeah. I could just drop by. Well, I didn't, didn't wanna do that that evening. And so the other side of my shoulder was saying, stop the club, you always stop that. Stop uh -huh. the club, you always stop that. So I'm driving down the highway, and this voice said, go over to your secretary's house. Yeah. The other said, go to the club. And so I went to the club. Yeah. And I went down in the club, pulled right out, pulled in the parking lot, and a voice said in my head, 
you no longer belong here. And wow. I said, you know, you're right. And so I pulled out the club. And when I came out the parking lot, and I've come to this parking lot many times, I looked across the street, and there's this big, huge church. Melody Land Christian Center was there. Really? I've come out that many nights, never even noticed. I said, God, well, I've never seen this church. He said, because the God is world has blinded your eyes. You didn't see it. Little did I know that I was going to go to seminary there. Little did I know I was going to be intern pastor. Little did I know I was going to be on staff there at that church. That's amazing. It is. That's amazing. That's how God can redeem So fast them. forward, Dan, yeah. just to tell us more. I, I, you know, I've known you for all these years, and some of these stories I've never heard. I'm in shock. I'm really, that's amazing. Yeah. So fast forward then. You know, we're talking about leadership here. Yes. But before we get into a lot of leadership principles, I want to hear about you, because God teaches us these things through our own lives, our own experience. Yes. So then, uh, like I knew you were a DJ. Was that before that or after that? Was that was in Cleveland. I was there before I moved to California. That's before that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so God totally changed your life. God spoke to you, changed, you know, changed you from the inside out. So what steps happened next? Because obviously the things that happened next prepared you for Oh, yeah, it was phenomenal. Yeah, things that took place there. There's some quick things is that, well, that... I ended up going over the, over the Bible. I didn't know it was a Bible study. She just told me some friends over her house. So I went to okay, my first yeah, Bible study yeah. at night. Talk about that. Instead of going to the club. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of a start. And I began to notice I started to pray more. Yeah. I didn't go to church then. Okay. And I just thought I was going to start reading the Bible. Yeah. And so me and Raina was also coming together at that time. Okay. And so we just started reading the Bible as well. Yeah. And, uh, and so we just started going from Matthews, started in Matthews, just reading through. And as we would get to different portions of the scripture, God would convict us of doing different things. Okay. So we quit drinking, we quit smoking, we quit having sex together, all those type yep. of things that way. Yeah. Because the scripture was telling us. You saw it in the Word of in God. In the Word of God. The yeah. Holy Spirit was teaching us. We yeah. didn't realize that then. Yes. And then we got to Hebrews. It talks about not forsaking the gathering together the brethren. Uh huh. And so we felt God was saying, we need to get part of a church. So Raina came out of the Holiness Pentecostal. I came out of Baptist. Yeah. She didn't want to go back home as Pentecostal. Yeah. Okay, we'll try Baptist church. That's what we did. So yeah. I found, we found a Baptist church that uh, one of our uh, friends out of Cleveland, their son was there as a citizen pastor. We started going there. And basically that was there where we found, unfortunately to say, not many saved families. Yeah. But there was one family there that was a really saved on fire Christians. And that's where we actually began to grow in our faith. Okay. And that was where we made that declaration. We actually, in the Baptist church there, they call it joining the church. But what we did, we made a confession for Christ that day. Wow. And so as we were dating and coming together, right. there was this couple, this young um, couple of this family, they just began to mentor us. Okay. And they were just, they were cool. He used to be a low rider. And I didn't think you could be a cool and be a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> so that was key then for you learning leadership. You had somebody mentoring you was. when you were a young believer. Exactly. And right. learning that whole process. Right. And, and, and uh, they were a dynamic couple. Um, he would be talking. His wife would be sitting there. She'd be flipping the scriptures and slide the Bible. And he'd refer scripture to us. And Raina would say, I want to be just like that. Wow. And that's what started her journey about wanting to know the scriptures and knowing faith. And that's what kind of gave us a, a picture of what it could look like of a couple working together, uh, leading and uh, and being involved in the things of God. Of course, you do that today. I mean, fast forward exactly. today, you go into a consulting company, you do that together. Yeah. Sometimes we call you Duena. Duena, you got yeah, it. Duena that's right. Starting Ken, yeah. starting Ken. So you then, when did you then go to Melody Land? When did you go to school? Soon right. After? Uh, soon after we got married, actually, uh, <laughs> kind of threw Raina off is that uh, 
we got married in August, and I started seminary all August as well. Okay. She said I didn't know I was marrying a preacher. I thought I was marrying a sales guy. Oh. Guy. So that really kind of threw off a little bit. So uh-huh. that's a little story for another time. Yeah. But that's what I, I got. I, we got married in August, and I started seminary as well. And I also worked full time. Right. And it was just right. it was God's favor. But that's where I started learning things about God, really getting into his word, really getting grounded, understanding why my faith is important to me, uh, learning some leadership principles there because I actually uh, began to lead some of the interns. I began training some yeah. counselors, leading, uh, overseeing some of the counselors department. So that's when some of my giftings, I didn't know they were there, starting to come out because they started giving me responsibility. Yeah, now we're going to talk more about your life and you're a missionary and all these things. Mm-hmm. But as you look back to this season of your life, when you were working full-time, you were in Melodyland, seminary, the whole deal, what are some things about leadership you remember learning then? Well, one thing, one major thing is that I was uh, at a church. It was a very large church, 15,000 members in, in the yeah, 70s. I remember those days. And, yeah. uh, and 200 people on staff. Wow. And uh, when I became an intern, um, before it was uh, like the, on the second floor, that's where the office was at. And it was just like this door to get buzzed into, yeah, to get yeah. behind, get into the inner office. Yeah. And so I used to be out there meeting people outside that door. Sure. So... When I became an associate on staff, I got to go inside that door. Yes. And that's when I learned that things aren't always as pretty. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Behind the buzz door. Behind the buzz door. <laughs> right. And that was with the place where I said, God, why am I back here seeing this? Because I had such these ideals about what, right. being a Christian and being right. a Christian ministry and being in leadership right. and work with people was going to be. And I found out people are people. Mm-hmm. No matter whether you're in business, whether you're in right, church world, right. people are people, and people have stuff they need to deal right. with, and they bring stuff to work with them. Mm-hmm. And so that was the place that I said, Lord, why am I learning this? He said, because I want you to learn these lessons so that you won't have these issues when you are in primary leadership. That's really good. So basically, as I understand, you learned that no matter who somebody is, what they've done, what kind of credentials they have, they all, we all deal with stuff. And we're all dealing with, with God dealing and healing yes. us in the stuff that we have. That's correct. That's very good. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you went from there then. You moved, When did you move to Pennsylvania? Uh, we came to Pennsylvania in, let's see, it had to be 70, 71, 72. And we moved to Pennsylvania. Actually, my uh, business, I worked for, a company, worked for another okay. company out okay. of California, and that's who moved to Pennsylvania. Well, you were on staff. Was that hard to leave staff to do that? It, w- it wasn't because uh, I was also in business and I was on staff, too. I kind of okay. always had this dual thing between sure. business and church. That's kind of in my life, yeah. business world, church world. Yeah. And so uh, when I, we were moving, we knew God was moving us to a desert place, he said. Wow. And he wanted us to believe for the same things that we saw in this Beautiful church, 15,000 members, miracles, healings, deliverance, yeah, yeah. baptism, salvations. Um, believe for me to do the same things in those desert places. Wow. So when we moved to Pennsylvania, we knew we were coming to a desert place, mm-hmm. and we did come to a desert place. Mm-hmm. But I was still in business there. I was in a national position at that point. Okay. Um, but that was where we began Bible study, just interdenominational Bible study. And you were study. in Reading, Pennsylvania Reading, at that point? Reading, Pennsylvania okay. at that point. And I uh, just did a weekly thing on that way because I traveled pretty much all week, but I knew it would yeah. be back by Fridays unless I was on the West Coast and I had to spend the weekend. So I traveled about eight, 75% of the, of the year, but yeah. I knew it could be back for Fridays for Bible study. Okay. So I taught a Bible study, and then me and Randy, we taught a, did a marriage a retreat weekend. Uh, and that's what kind of started uh, our impact into the Redding area 
believing God to do things, but also realizing we had to work and I had to work and sure. and provide my family and things like that. But again, did not realize it, but here we are leading a Bible study. Here we are leading and starting a marriage ministry in leadership, but not realizing that it's leadership. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question about this bivocational ministry, because I talk to so many younger leaders and some would say, well, we just want to be on what they call full-time ministry. Yeah, that's what they feel called to. Of course, we're all in full-time ministry. Right. You're in a full-time business, exactly. that's full-time ministry. It's just, where does your paycheck come mm-hmm. from? So do you think, you know, as you look back in your life, you said you were wired for that and you've done both and throughout mm-hmm. your life and I've seen that. Do you feel like some people have a gift of grace from God to be uh, bivocational of multiple streams of income. You think everybody should have that? You think some people do, some people don't? You understand what I'm asking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. I think for me, you know, back in when I was still in California, um, I was at a meet. I was at a, actually, I thought I was going to be full time ministry. Okay. Quote unquote, get paid by the church. Exactly right. That's what I wanted to do. That's yeah. what I thought I was going to do. And I did everything I knew how to do in the business sense to pre- present sure. myself and mark myself to do yeah. that. No doors opened. Okay. I was so frustrated. Okay. Then a door opened that I thought had opened, and I was going to move my family to another state yes. to be in full-time ministry. And right before we did that, the door closed on it. Blew my mind. Actually, I, I was so devastated with that. I just said, okay, Lord, I've tried this thing. I tried to do it my own way. For right now, I'm not doing nothing. I'm just going to do my business, and when you're ready for me to do something, you got my number, you call me. And I had that type of attitude. I wasn't going to pursue anything. And then I happened to be at one of our, uh, where I was licensed organization breakfast meeting, and they had this little short guy come in. And I didn't think it's short guys, but this is like, he's probably as dynamic. He wasn't that, to me, that dynamic of a speaker. Right, right. And, uh, but he, he shared something, a very simple thing, and it just it hit me. Yeah. He said, wherever you are at, that's your ministry. That's so right. Yeah. And it's just like, well, wait a minute. Wherever you're at, that's my ministry. So that means I'm in business. I'm talking to business owners. I'm talking to vice presidents. That's my ministry. Yeah. And so that changed my whole paradigm. It's so good. So no matter where I'm at, that's so ministry. True. I'm full-time business, whether I'm part-time business, whether I'm right, full-time right, ministry. Right, right. That is my ministry. Yeah. And so I began to pastor the people I so was, had as customers. So good. Dialogue with them. They were talking about things of faith. All types of stuff used to happen. Sure. And it changed my whole mindset about what ministry was at. So it's like So good. That's a really important leadership principle. Now, again, we'll fast forward. You're in Pennsylvania. You, you saw the Bible, said you had to start a church. No. You just had the business. Talk to, about, to us about how that happened. Well, I didn't want to start a church. <laughs> <laughs> I did not want to pastor. I know that feeling, yeah. Couldn't <laughs> have done that. Yeah. So that was yeah. not my idea. Right. What we did, we, we had... Bible study going, people would get saved, and we would send them and say, hey, there's this church here, that church there, why don't you guys go there? Well, when they would go to those churches back in those days, yeah. again, we're reaching folks in the city, so we're reaching you know, ex-drug addicts, we're reaching sure. prostitutes, and, and also right. we reach doctors and whatever, but we send those churches, or mixed couples, they send those churches, and the churches yeah. did not want those folks in their churches. Ah. So they would come back to the Bible study and say, this is our church. Really? And so I'm saying, well, I'm not a pastor, so you need to find a church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we kept having these people understand this is our church. So we went off, Randy and myself went for a retreat, prayer retreat. And we said, Lord, what are we going to do these people? Mm-hmm. Because they need a church. So we need to find somebody or somebody to right. pastor a church. 
Well, he showed us that we're to start a church. Yeah. I had that not in my radar at all. <laughs> I want to support the pastors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. I don't want to be one. I don't want right. to be one of those. Right. And so we came back and said, okay, Lord, this is what you're saying. And then what took place there is that we started a church, and we had about 50 folks when we started. Uh, the summer hit. We went down like 20, 25. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to backwards. Backwards. Right, right, right. But then at the middle of that time, God said, I want you now to quit your full-time job and I'll go full-time to church, which was, I said, whoa, because we're the biggest tither in the church. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So if I don't work and we're not tithing, how can I go full-time? But God gave us a a date to go full-time on September 24th, and I forget that date. Wow. Gave us five confirmations about stopping scripture and also people on the 24th of September. went to my boss. I got paid by monthly, by the month. Yes. My boss said, why you want to stop in the middle of the month or towards the end of the month? Because you get paid by month. Yeah. So God told me 24th. Why don't you wait until the end of the year? Because you get a big bonus at the end of the year, which would make sense. Get a big bonus in the year. Then we have a cushion. Mm -hmm. But God said September 24th. So we did September 24th. And on the f- September 25th, that morning I was at home, and somebody called. And uh, one of our guys in our church, UPS driver, he said, I got an overdose here my, on a, my route here. They need a pastor. Can you come over? So that morning, <laughs> the September 25th, wow. was our first day actually in ministry. God be- provided supernaturally for us yeah. Uh, yeah. without a paycheck. We never missed a bill, whatever. Uh-huh. And that church grew, and it kind of exploded within three years to about 400 people. That is amazing. Yeah. Now, an amazing thing I keep hearing you say is every time you faced an impasse, you got with God. Yeah. You simply, you and you and Raina, you sought God and God spoke to you. I mean, every time. So that's a real key principle I, I hear Definitely. you saying. Definitely. Again and again, you hear from God. You don't take anything for granted. Don't just do what you feel like doing. Correct. But you simply hear from God. So how long did you pastor there in, in Reading? Seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, perfect number. <laughs> Great. And then I remember well. We met back in the early '80s. I remember. We that, did. Yeah, very well. And I think it was at a marriage seminar, we leadership did. We, seminar. We, we or did. We. Yeah. That was the only uh, only one abundant living had for the pastors and wives. Was the only one they had, and we were there. You were in Lancaster County. I was still in. I was in. Ber- I was in Berks County. And we met. Got to connect. And actually, we we ended up being a little prayer group. I remember that. at the end. I remember we that. For one yeah, another. I remember. I remember that. Laverne had a little covering on. Little yeah, I, she we, it was back in man, just coming out of the old Mennonite tradition. Right. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Well. It was amazing. So so far back. And then we reconnected in '84 uh, when I was pastoring. I wanted to do small groups. Yep. And uh, and I tried Joe's method. I was up to there, and I was yeah. dreaming big and yeah. all those type of things that way. And I tried another method of small groups, and we just two times and just flopped in for our yeah. church. And I read a magazine about this dove over in Lancaster, and he did small groups. I said, well, that's over in Lakes County. So I called over and happened to get in touch with Brian Sauter was on the really? telephone. He said, come on over. He said, we'll help you out. I'll give you any time or two. Why don't you come Is over for a right? So I came over, and when I came over to the offices, he showed me around, and that's where you were in the office. Yeah. And we met, and he said, this is Larry Kreider. 
And he said, oh, the same guy I met a couple years ago. Yeah, huh? we didn't realize it then, but yeah, it was just <laughs> that. And that's how we connected. That's and amazing. then you had it committed. We talked a little bit after that, and I talked about where we're at and our journey and our church and what we need to do and where we're at. And, and you said, I'll commit to, I'm going to be traveling, but yep. I'll commit to pray for I you for 30 that. days. I remember that. And I'll get back to you when I get back mm -hmm. uh, from my trips. And that's mm -hmm. kind of yep. was key for yep. us. Exactly. And then, of course, then you, remember, together, we all helped you help people find churches. Oh, yeah. You joined the Dove Church, one yeah. of the Dove Churches. And I'll never forget, cause you were a pastor, and you were such a servant. You said, what can I do? We'll do whatever. Open a home for a small group. Yeah. We'll usher. We'll we set did. up chairs. We'll do whatever. I mean, I, we were so impressed. And I tell that story all over the world, because, <laughs> you know, servant leadership, of course, is another key to, mm -hmm. to leadership, another principle, being willing to be a servant and serve people, and That's whatever sure. that looks like. And then talk to us about your missionary journey because all of the, if you learned all, all these things all these years that brought you to the place you're at today mm -hmm. when you're consulting all kinds of leaders you know in all kind of realms amazing how God's using you um, talk about that next step then you went you went to Africa that's correct and how we got to Africa was uh, that back in when I was seminary in, in my first year yeah um, our, at our and our seminary we had praise and worship before all of our classes in the evening and so it was at the end of that time that God spoke to my heart and said, you're going to be teaching and preaching in Kenya one day. Okay, that's cool. Where's Kenya? <laughs> I had yeah. no idea. So I went home, told Raina. I said, Raina, we're going to be teaching and preaching in Kenya one day. She said, where's that? I, I don't know. Let's get, we got Atlas out and said, that's in Africa. In Africa? What is he talking about? <laughs> I, I never traveled like that. I never been out the country. And so, but that was placed in the heart in 1976. And uh, it was 13 years later yeah. that we were actually teaching and preaching in Africa. Wow. But it happened because um, in December of uh, 19, um, let's know, December of the year before we went to, to Kenya, sure. is that we actually, I got, my job was canned at an insurance agency I was at. Um, that happened on a Monday. Uh, Raina was in, in, in healthcare. Yes. Her job was terminated, it was going to be terminated three days after my. And so we knew something was happening. There was no way that I could be in insurance, she could be in healthcare, and our jobs would terminate within the same week. Right. So we knew God was up to something. Right. And so that was that journey we began to say, what are you up to next, God? Mm -hmm. And so that was where the door opened up for us to go to Kenya. So that is a principle of open doors, closed doors. Got it. Yeah, in oh, that case, it was equal. very Two clear closed doors. doors are closed. Two closed doors within a couple of days. Exactly. What did you learn in Kenya? You're a couple of years in Kenya. Mm -hmm. What did you learn there that could help leaders, younger leaders today saying, you know, how can I be the leader God's called me to be? Can you remember anything that you learned in Kenya during that <laughs> Yeah, a lot of things. I know there are. <laughs> I think the, one of the main things was that um, I learned how to be the second man to take mm -hmm. the arrows uh -huh. for the leader. Uh -huh. um, I was there to help even when we need to look good and to mm -hmm. be good and be successful, right. no matter what that costs. Right. I was in a new culture. Yeah. I was not had any props around me any longer. Our marriage was stressed like never before because yeah. of that, in, that yeah. environment that oh, you're yeah. in. It's an sure. intensive environment you're a missionary. And, um, but learning how to serve mm -hmm. cross-culturally, also learning to the biblical principles are not Western or Eastern. That's so good. They're biblical principles. So good. So wherever God is speaking in the West is also speaking in the East. Mm -hmm. His principles are the same. So I learned how to say, no, this is not a Western ideal. Mm -hmm. This is the Bible. This mm -hmm. is the biblical mm -hmm. principle. And so mm -hmm. I learned there. 
I also learned how to uh, really connect with people because I was, uh, as you know, a Dove was not registered at the time. Right. So I had to work for another organization. Yeah. Right, and I right. was the coordinator for Kenya for that organization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I used to, have to travel up country. Uh, and one of the things I learned is that you just have to connect with the people of different tribes and just be one. So I ate yeah. what they ate carefully. Right. <laughs> Been there, done Exactly. That. But I was there. And that was the one thing that uh, my, my boss told me, uh, or as I was at, he said, you became one with us. Mm. You became Kenyan. Mm. And that was something that, that, so I understood that wherever I go, you got to become part of the culture to yes. be able to impact the culture. Yes. You can't come in like this authority. One of the things I noticed in some of the missionaries in Kenya, they would do their work and they go back behind their gates. Mm -hmm. They have the missionary world that they would stay in and they go do the work in the, mm. the, the culture they're in and they go back behind their gates mm -hmm. and not interact. Mm -hmm. Well, I knew that I learned that you have to interact, you have to be in that world. You just can't come and say, well, we've got to be America here in our little world, in our little compound, and then we go out and be right. missionaries right. To, the, the, to the other people. Right. I had to learn how to embrace the other cultures. So that has helped me where we've gone to begin and learn how to embrace the culture. I mean, you have to learn the culture. I mean, you have to be with the people. You understand the quirks of each culture mm -hmm. and be able to adapt ourselves in those cultures. Mm -hmm. Same thing in business. Exactly. You go to another company. Exactly. You got to know what the culture is. You got to adapt right. to the culture and get involved with those cultures. Exactly. You know, and be involved, be be part of, and that takes time, takes effort, and yeah. be patient. Yeah. You were there two years, right? About two years. Yeah. Two years, and then you came back again. Mm -hmm. You came back USA, saying, "God, what's next?" Yes. So, what did that look like? Well, God, what's next was we're going back to Africa. That's our mindset. We only came back to again reconnect, uh, and also, you know, to go back. And only do one job when we go back because right. I was doing multiple jobs right. in Kenya and that right. was just killing right. us. And so we came back. We were basically like a little break yeah. to raise more funds, yeah, to get like refocused, yeah. you know, take a little furlough, and then heading back. But as you know, the church we got involved in, Westgate, there was a leadership transition there. Mm -hmm. And uh, you guys approached us and said, could you just give temporary leadership? And I said, great, we can do that because we're going back to Africa. Yeah, I remember. And uh, if we had to wear African garb, let you know we're heading back to Africa, know that because we're not here, they'd be, they'd be leaving. Right, right. Because I don't want a pastor. <laughs> right. I'm not called a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Since Dwayne Britton. Yeah, yeah. I'm right. here to support the leadership. Right. So I can, I can do that. I can leave for now as long right. as you know I'm not the guy. Right. And so, uh, but as you know, the story uh, ended, with being, ended up being a guy. God yeah. spoke to our hearts that this was a mission field for us. Right. Because it wasn't, quote, our culture. It wasn't, quote, our people. Yeah. And uh, he called us to be here. And you said one thing that was very important to me that uh, kind of helped us as well in our decision. You knew we had a heart for the world. Mm -hmm. And you said, Dwayne, you said you could have a greater impact for the world by being in the senior leadership role mm -hmm. because the people are going to catch your heart. Right. And you go back and be a missionary and you'll be great and do it, mm -hmm. and, but mm -hmm. that's you doing it. You can multiply more people in the mission field that way. They'll grab you. your heart. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. that what took place mm -hmm. at Westgate. People, we could yeah. send out missionaries, short-term right. teams, long-term right. teams. I mean, long-term right. missionaries developed all those. Yeah. And so, yeah, they got our yeah. heart for missions. Yeah. Of course, those are the days we were one multi-site church and then in you know in 1996, one church became eight churches, yeah. and the original—I mean, most of the people were in the original church, which would have been Dove Westgate yeah. at that point—and you then were the senior leader, senior pastor. We call it senior elder in those right. days of that local church. Now, how many years did you serve in leadership? Do you remember? Oh yeah, I was there 20 years. Uh, in lead. I actually started uh, leading worship. I right. became the worship overseeing the worship department, right. and uh, I also asked them to start overseeing the preaching. 
And so I, I did that with my first. I believe you there 20 years. I know, it? yeah. Wow. And when we made the transition to uh, when, the, when Doug was going we through the transition. We were a family of churches, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I was the primary leader yes, for were. the one year before we started eldership. Yep. Yep. And I was a senior elder for 17 well. years. So 18 years in, in leadership and two years actually being able to worship department. Yeah. What are some things as you look back now? And we want to talk more about, you know, things now. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, what are some things you feel like you've learned over those years as you were the senior pastor mm -hmm. serving, you know, in a larger, larger church multi-staff? What mm -hmm. are some things you feel like you learned there that can help younger leaders? I learned uh, team. Yes. What uh, together everyone achieves more. <laughs> yeah. Um, I learned about myself. I learned mm -hmm. that I need to be more transparent mm -hmm. with what's going on with me. One of the things I used to do is that I loved I loved facilitating discussions. That's what yeah. I do in business sure, where I facilitate. So I like to hear people, but people didn't know what I was thinking. Right. And that was something that I had to learn that they yeah. need to know. Because I didn't want to let them all think. I wanted to sway somebody exactly. to go a different direction. Yeah. So what I would do is I would not say much. And so people didn't know where I was at. Right. So it really left them not mm -hmm. knowing where I was at. So I began to learn through a difficult process, through consultants actually coming in helping our team, right. that I need to be more transparent. I need to be more leading from uh, transparency. Yes. I need uh, people to know my heart. Yes. I've to been told many times I had a heart of David. People didn't know I had a heart of David. Mm -hmm. So I had to allow them to begin to see that heart mm -hmm. so that when things would rise up or questions would rise up on leadership, mm -hmm. my team knows my heart. Yes. And exactly. so they could disfuse that. They could so say, well, good. that's not Dwayne. You, that's not his heart. And that, exactly. you, may, you may get that impression that that's not him. Right. So I found it was very important for my team to be understand who I was, but also to want my team to be vulnerable with each other. I need to be the one who leads being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I need to be the one to be willing to put my stuff on the table with my team. I need to be willing to put my stuff when I'm having problems with my kids mm -hmm. or issues mm -hmm. maybe with my wife. I'd sure. be able to share that with my team right. to see that that is a Very safe good. place to do that so that they know there's a safe place they can come and do that as well. I can't have them do it and not do it myself. So right. as a leader, I have to lead and give yes. the example of what it needs to be. You mentioned you had consultants who came in to help. Mm -hmm. I know that was really life-changing for oh, you. Oh, it was. Talk, talk to us about that a bit. And, of course, you're a consultant today. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, I'm assuming, maybe watching the consultants and going through that process showed you some things in your heart that you felt like you were called to in the future. Yeah. And you're doing right now, doing today. So what, what was that like, and what did you learn during that time? Well, I, I found it was always good for somebody from the outside to take a look at the organization. Right. They didn't have any... Uh, they didn't have any horse in a race. <laughs> right. So right. what they were looking at was a very objective. Uh, they could t address things that we wouldn't address or couldn't address because of feelings and emotions right, right. and people history thinking, people uh, yeah, thinking you that, might yeah. say that because of this. But right. they, they had no history. And they could also ask the questions that no one would ask. Because yeah. questions organizations people don't ask because they don't, they don't know what's going to react, so they don't ask them. Right. They'll ask those questions because they just need to know, find out, you know, why do you do that? You know, and, and, and as you answer that question, you may find out that that thing needed to change mm. or it wasn't a really good basis of that you're actually doing it or, you know, or that was a great idea. And, yeah, yeah that's why we do it. Sure. So it really helped us to do that. And they did also assessments. Mm -hmm. uh, they did a Berkman assessment on all of our staff. So I, began, I found out what my team's gifts and strengths were. Uh, I found that we had people that was in positions that they weren't really equipped to do. So I was able, we were able to move some people around and get them in the right positions where their giftings were at. So they began to flourish more. Mm -hmm. 
Also, too, we discovered, this, and as it can happen, that some people need to not be part of the team, right, and, right. and that's okay, too. But mm -hmm. because of now they know how they're wired, sure, they now know what to look for, right. where they can be happy and fulfilled. Right. We want everybody happy and fulfilled wherever exactly. they're doing, excited about coming and doing what they are called mm -hmm. to do. So that allowed us to do that and help us, and then to help us think strategically where we're going. Okay. Uh, so that was, the, that was the things I learned uh, from the consultants that came in. And I found a consultant is a good thing. Yeah. And of course, you're involved in consulting today. Yes. You and Rainer are consulting companies and, and community organizations and churches today. Uh, talk to us about when you, when you consult today, and, and I know uh, you go into an organization, what are the things you're looking for? What are the things you offer? What are the things that you can help them with? Mm -hmm. What's that look like? Well, I think, first of all, we say everything we do begins with an assessment. Okay. Because if you don't know what you got. That's good. You got to assess what, what's there. Yes. So we begin with assessment, whether it's uh, individual assessments or organizational assessments. So we start with assessments. Then from assessments, out of that, then we begin to, you can see where some of the holes are, where some of the strengths are, those type of things. That way, we also can help. It's an objective assessment. Mm -hmm. So we have objective uh, data that we're taking a look at. Mm -hmm. And then we're able then to uh, find out where their goals, begin to help them strategically think about where they're heading, mm -hmm. uh, think about what they want to do with their teams. And so then we're able to help them to align then uh, this strategy and their vision and their mission together mm. and then set some goals up and then able to coach them on continuing those goals. Because what I find with assessment, you don't do anything with them. They are really great data, right. a lot of great information. And most people, oh, that is really eye-opening. really do some of that and they stick it right in the drawer. Yeah. Until next crisis come out, pull it back. Oh, wow, that we look, yeah, those things there. We, yeah, we did learn some things there, but I'll put them back in the drawer. So you do the assessment, but you do something with them then. Mm -hmm. So well, it's all fresh. And then you take that assessment to help to build for the future and then have some accountability afterwards to make sure you stay on your goals and tasks. Fantastic. If anybody wants to know more or what needs your assistance, mm -hmm. you, you guys are, are a Britain Consulting Group. That's correct. It's BritainCG.com. That is correct. Mm -hmm. Now let's, let's continue with your story because uh, obviously you were working in the church for 18 years mm -hmm. uh, and then got to a place where you were feeling like you're called to this consulting you know, company, this ministry. Uh, talk to us about that process and then how you were able to find a successor mm -hmm. who took the church into the next next level. I was doing a fantastic job today. Right. Uh, talk to us about that, that process. How did you walk through that? How did you know it's time for change? Well, I know I, I look at my life uh, like in five-year buckets. Okay. So I, I, we take a look at our lives five years ahead and begin to see. You have a bucket list for every five years? Yeah, you know, kind of bucket. <laughs> There's some things like to do within five years and right. see whether we've done it I or like not, it. accomplished it. Yeah, and, and then we review our, our plan every yeah. year. Okay. Uh, we look at our past year and, then, mm -hmm. and look ahead for another year. But we plan five-year segments. Sure. And so in five-year segments, I got to that segment another five years. And I said, five years from now, what I want to do. And I saw myself not leading the church. Okay. So that's when I began to pray, and I actually had a conversation with you back that yes. time. I started thinking, you know, five years from now, um, that might be, you know, might be making a change. I don't see myself sure. leading at uh, that point. And so what, and then we begin to think, what do we want to do mm -hmm. when we are not leading? And so we begin to get some vision about what our right. might look like, look like, life might look like mm -hmm. uh, after sure. leading Westgate as a senior leader. And so that's how we got the consultant mindset. Also, too, then how do we begin this process of succession? 
Well, first of all, we need to find out who's on our team could possibly be a successor. Is there a successor on my team? Because if there is, then that's an in-house succession, which is really good because same values and ever. Exactly. Those things, are, same culture, same values, which is really great to pass on and be part of. But if you had to look outside, that's a different. Yeah. It takes a little different tool set and bring someone from mm-hmm. different culture, work right. them in. Right. It can be done. Right. It takes a little more work. So right. need to find out what do we need to do, what type of plan we need to make. And so that's what we begin to think about. When do we need to start doing assessments? When do we need to start praying about who could possibly be the next person? How do we then now be able to lead the team in succession? How do we right. look the elders, begin thinking ahead, you know, mm-hmm. bring it to them. I don't see myself at this right. point leading. Now we need to process how we're going to get there and what we need to be doing, mm-hmm. how we need to share with our congregation, how we need to share with our staff. In a, in a healthy way yeah. that keeps people still looking ahead. We still got life after five years. Exactly. <laughs> so how do we keep that vision going, mm-hmm. but also to have this succession thing going alongside with it? Yes. And what I what I had a picture of is is I, I talked to some uh, long uh, long distance drivers, team drivers, and they 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 will tell me driving from East Coast to West Coast, they don't stop the truck except for gas and food. Is that they actually while they're driving sometimes they switch seats. What, and I just I blew my mind, but they switched seats. They got cruising while they're driving. While they're driving. Yeah. And one driver will yeah. get out and one slips in, but the truck keeps going. And I kind of felt that's the vision that God gave me is that Westgate's going to keep going. Right. We're not going to take our foot off the gas. But while we're doing that, it's going to be a transition. I'm going to slip out the seat, and the next yeah. guy's going to slip mm-hmm. in, and we're going to keep going. But I'm going to get on out, move on out yeah. of the driver's seat, and somebody yeah. else is going to drive. And of course, we saw that happen. We saw, you know, your really your senior associate right, yeah. would have been Daryl, and, and Daryl then was the next leader. And what's really unique, I think, about the Dub Westgate Church is that you know I was the original senior pastor mm-hmm. of the multi deal, and and then and then the Lester Everly became like we call him a celebration pastor, right. and then you became the lead person there. And then when we become a family of churches, you were the lead senior pastor there all those years. And then of course Daryl is today, Daryl Hurst is today, and yet we're all still part of that church. Our real church still it's, going there. It's an amazing thing. Yeah, there's four generations and there's been a mutual honor, I think, yeah. to, to see that happen. It's been an amazing thing. So then you were you moved on from there into consulting mm-hmm. and then you had a big surprise. Yeah. And big surprise was you ended up going back and pastoring again for a season, right? <laughs> That's for sure. Talk to us about that. Again, a, a person that wanted to pastor, I did that now <laughs> three times. <laughs> I think, think we're, I think, you some think we're done. Again? I think you're done. I think you are. But yeah, it was a very interesting situation is that the um, the church that I ended up being an interim for, interim, I, I right. was asked to come for six months Yeah, being interim for. Yeah. Uh, when they asked, it was... They didn't know when they were asking me that that was the church we went to when we first moved here yeah. from California. Yeah. Uh, we were part of that church yeah. um, and until we ended up pl- uh, going to another church in Reading and then planting a church after that. But that church was kind of foundational for us, kind of welcomes in the community. Yeah. It was really there, good teaching, uh, really good spirit. Uh, it was a revival church. It was, it was a revival church. Well. Oh, yeah. my goodness gracious. Yeah. And it just, we were just so blessed. Yeah. Met some of our good friends was going there. Yeah. And we kept all the time. We are still in, in, uh, in Reading. But when we were asked to come back, it was like God said, I want you to go home and help. Hmm. So they blessed us when we came here. So if I go back for six months sure. and bless them, I could do six months. Sure. 
And, and basically, so the story the story's clear. The, the senior pastor was gave his, his resignation. He was leaving. Yeah. He needed a pastor. Correct. And you found out about that opportunity. Just to fill in. Yeah, to fill in for six months to Correct. help them. Yeah. Go ahead. Yes. Tell us more. And then uh, they six months went by, and they said, could you do six more months? Okay, well, I can do six more months, okay? I'm not... <laughs> called the pastor anymore but yeah I could do six more months sure. and uh, so I did that and then after a year then and there was some stuff that that needed to happen there's some things that need to be mm -hmm. strengthened some staff need to be developed yeah. uh, and the church wasn't ready for a new lead pastor right so they said could you give us two years <laughs> I can do that give you two years great well, you know, end up two end up being five and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> but the church is in a good spot. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, and what was so neat about it is that we weren't able to raise up someone from inside, even mm -hmm. though there were some opportunities, and we went through the whole process, session process. Since I've been through the session process at Westgate, right. I had it all down. We had a yeah. template to go through, and yeah. so we kind of led that team that way. But there was a, there was a guy we looked outside mm -hmm. in a network, and there was a guy who, in the, who was now the lead pastor, Gary Buck, who came to that church, Elverson, yeah, got well. saved there as a kid, mm -hmm. grew up there, was on a worship team, various different things before he ended up going to Petra. So actually, it was a son of the house yeah. coming back yeah. to the house to lead the house, yeah. which was awesome. And the blessing of that was it was a whole different network, Hopewell Network. Yeah. You know, we're the Dove Network. There's like in, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, there are really four networks that are based here mm -hmm. in this area. Uh, and so because of our relationships that work well, and uh, you were there, and really God used you and Randy to take that church back to its roots yeah. and bring healing and bring blessing. And today I hear great reports about all that's happening now because God well. used you in the interim in an amazing way. And that's six months, right? but five years. And, and we stayed there another year yeah. because we really felt like exactly. we wanted to show that we were sure. supporting uh, yep. Gary that we really it's appreciate his minute and it came underneath his yeah. his shepherding yeah. for us. So good. I think it was really good. It was good for us. It was good for the church. And again, it was just really neat because, like you said, in many churches, is that when there's a transition, you're encouraged to not go to that right. church. Right. And Gary was all right. He wanted us to stay there as long as we wanted to be there. Yeah. Um, and it was just really good for us to be there because it gave the congregation peace. Yeah. That we're still there, Gary's leading, but you're still there, and it just made it made him feel good. Right. I, we're here today. We see people down. It's sure. like, we're so glad you were there. You're still there because right. it just helped the transition. I heard the reports so again and again. It's a culture of honor, yeah. really, and that's what's happened. Well, look, we're, I want to just ask you yet: Are there any other principles, concepts of leadership that you found in your lifetime? Mm -hmm. You're now consulting. You're, you're ministering throughout the world. Uh, any any other concepts of leadership, principles of leadership? You're saying. If, if I were to sit across the table from someone who's a young leader thinking about getting into leadership, mm -hmm. whether it's business, pastoring, whatever, say, these are things you want to look out for. These are things you want to make sure you're clear about. What would those things be? Uh, one of the main things is learning how to have difficult conversation. Okay. Got to have the difficult conversation. That's one thing as leaders Very good. we don't want to address because we want to be liked. Right, right. <laughs> and it's Especially hard. Especially pastoral leaders. Yeah. is. We want to be liked. And it's really hard to have those difficult conversations. Yeah. But the longer you wait to have them, yeah. the more difficult they become and the yeah. more hurt can take place. Right. So I find to really address as much as you can, as quick as you can, as soon as you can. Also knowing 
what the difficulties are of having a difficult conversation. Mm -hmm. Because when you have a difficult conversation, you have this thing that starts up and that's called adrenaline. Mm -hmm. Adrenal gland kicks in, mm -hmm. and which is the fight or flight. Right, so, right. So when you have a difficult conversation, and when you know things, values are going to be challenged, or culture is going to be challenged, and, and the decision is going to really make an impact on where we're going, you got to really understand, you got to manage that, that adrenaline and get back the brain mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. instead of the emotions and really have that conversation. And it's so important to really get down to the bottom of that because, and I think what is the thing, one of the, the driving factors in having that is what do you want out of the relationship mm -hmm. and what you don't want out of the relationship. Mm -hmm. And being able to articulate that when you have a conversation. I want to be able to work through this, but I don't want to, to divide us. Right. So how can we do that That's today? Good. So That's what good. do you want and what you don't want? And let That's that good. be known in the beginning. Because then you set some parameters on our discussion. And then some things you just need to have an initial conversation, get it out, both sides, and then say, hey, let's get back together in a week from now or three days mm -hmm. from now mm -hmm. or a couple of, and let's think of, talk about what Give we're talking about. Give it time mm -hmm. to talk about. Yeah. I think it's very important to do that. And I think also, too, being, uh, I think, a person of integrity. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's so key, no yeah. matter where you're in the secular world or, or church world, yeah. integrity is so key today. Uh, and integrity is what you do when no one's looking. That's right. It's not about having this great uh, aura That's about right. yourself, but what are you, what are you be behind the scenes? Mm -hmm. What things are going on in your life that you really need to get out and talk mm -hmm. to somebody about? Because that affects your leadership. Mm -hmm. Stuff you're hiding, holding on to mm -hmm. affects your leadership. Mm -hmm. It affects people. Yeah. And and as a as a leader, you want to be the best you can be so that right. people can be the best that they can be. Correct. Good. Anything else? Any other any other leadership principles that mm -hmm. you look over the years, you say, I want to make sure I unload this, yeah. download this yeah. before we close today. One of the things that John Maxwell talked about was lifting lids. Mm. And uh that has impacted me when I heard the principle develop. Explain that. Lifting lids is that we as leaders we have lids on us. And our people have lids on them. Okay. And we're called leaders to lift lids, lift people's lids, to get them beyond where they're at. Okay. And so... So the lid would be, you can only go so far right. in leadership? Right. As people, okay. yeah, and their mindset or whatever, okay. there's lids. We all okay. have this thing that we okay. go up to that we hit. Okay. And if we don't do anything about it, that's where we'll stay. So how do we lift lids? How do well, we do that? lift lids, seeing, seeing things in, in individuals around you, and you say you can do better okay. or you can do more, so you give them stuff they can Helping grow in. Helping them lift their lids. And the only way that you can help lift their lids is to have your lid lifted. Mm -hmm. So a leader has to continue to be learning. Yes. Because that lifts their lids. So true. Getting underneath someone, being coached and mentored themselves. Yes. I, I, I need to be mentored if I'm mentoring someone. That's right. I need to be coaching some. Mm -hmm. Somebody need to be coaching me if I'm coaching someone because they're lifting right. my lid, and as my lid gets lifted, mm -hmm. I go up. I lift other people's lids; they come up as well. Mm -hmm. So I find myself as a lid lifter, as, list, as a leader, as so lid I, lifter, a lid lifter as a leader. And so I want to lift people's lids around me. I want people to be better than me. I want leaders who Amen. I raise up be a better leader than I was mm -hmm. ever. Uh, I want them to go farther than I've ever went. Mm -hmm. That is my mindset. And when, like when you, when a, a dad. When your kids are doing much better than you, that's what you you're want. so excited oh, yeah, about that. Exactly. And that's what level, leader, uh, uh, level, six, level five leaders are. Mm -hmm. They love seeing people that's around right. them excel past them. That's right. Dwayne, why don't you just take a moment and just speak into the life of anybody who's, who's with us today. And uh, there are younger leaders, aspiring leadership. Uh, you can just speak into their lives. You can pray into their lives, mm -hmm. whatever you want to do. Why don't you do that here in closing okay. our time today? 
Well, I think one of the things that I would say as a young leader um, is that look for those people around you that can mentor you. Uh, one of the things that I uh, was uh, something that I learned as a young leader is try to find someone uh, that can help me in my leadership. Uh, and that means being vulnerable. Uh, many times as young leaders, you think you got it all together and we're pretty sharp. We are. Uh, but really finding someone that can, mm. that can mentor you is very key. Mm. Uh, and so I would just open, be open to that. And I believe God always has someone around you to do that. Uh, and that doesn't mean it has to be kind of even a formal. It's just be someone say, hey, you know what? I'd like to get together for coffee maybe once a, once a month or once a quarter with you and just pick your brains. That's what you're looking for, someone that can just be a sounding board for you to, because you've got some great ideals, but you need, need to bounce off somebody with some experience. Uh, that would be very helpful. And then also to learn as much as you can. One of the things I learned as a, as a, as a young leader, keep reading, keep learning, keep studying. Even things that may not be pertinent or pertaining to leadership, but well around yourself. Uh, learn other things. You know, you never know how all those things come together. Over my life, from DJing to all types of other jobs I've had, it has all come together in my leadership. It's all come together in my consulting world. You just never know something you learned 20 years, 30 years ago, how it impacts you today and how it impacts the people that you lead. So I would just encourage you to do that. And one of the things also, too, for those of you who really know God, you really need to seek his face. I seek him on a yearly basis on my life and strategy going forward. I, I review what I've done that previous year and what God has for me the coming year. And I, I have a plan. And I write that plan out at the beginning of the year, and I follow that plan. And then at the end of that year, I review that plan and see what we've done and what we need to do moving forward. So I just encourage you to do that as well. Let's have a word of prayer together. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to, to share uh, my life uh, with these leaders, Lord. I thank you, Father. You have placed your hand upon them. And I thank you, Lord, for that. You've called them, O oh God. And for some days in leadership... All we're going to have is the knowledge that we're called because everything else is going to be going to crap. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I thank you, Lord, that you are the God. And in the midst of those times, you are the same God. Mm -hmm. That calling is still there. And, Lord, they will be victorious. They will come out on the other side. When a door closes, there's another door opening up. Just be patient and watch the Father. Watch where he's leading. Watch where he's guiding. Watch where opportunities are coming forth. And he is with you. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he will bless you beyond your wildest dreams. And I thank you, Father, for these young leaders. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Dwayne, thank you for joining me today. Awesome. Uh, and uh, this nuggets of truth, just fantastic. You know, many, many, many young leaders and, and older leaders, always leaders, are being blessed because of your life, because of all you've done. And like in different parts of the world, you know, I meet people there that you've spoken into their lives. And we're just so grateful for your life and so grateful for you and Raina and all that God's using you in. And you've got many years yet to come. Amen. Training That's a whole new sure. generation of That's leadership. Sure. We're so glad you've joined us today. And we're looking forward to seeing you again real soon as we have more discussions on leadership, those key things we can learn that make a massive difference in our lives and leadership. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.